Well, good morning, Main Street. Um, it's such a joy to be with you all. It's always super awkward when the lights get low and everybody gets quiet. That's still a technique that I'm sure many teachers use in their classroom maybe to get people to be quiet. But um, I appreciate you all. For those of you who are online, we're so grateful for you as well. Um, I'm just going to pray for us. And I know we have a lot going on in our lives. And I just pray that in this next couple of moments that we settle our hearts and we prepare them for a time of worship. So let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We welcome you into this place. Whatever we have going on in our hearts and in our spirits and in our minds, we want to give to you in this moment so that we can take in all that you have for us. <clears throat> we just pray that um, in all of our thoughts and all of our words and all of our actions today and every day, that we love you, um, that we share you, that we express you, Father, and and in this moment, in this time, help to settle our hearts. We all have so much going on, and there's so much going on in the world, but we know that you have everything to offer in this space, in this time right now, God. So help us to be able to focus and help us to lean into you this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
time in our service where we lift up those who need our prayer and so I'm going to read some names and you are free to add others as you know. Um, Dudley Dearman continues to need our prayers. Tim Cole is with us and we celebrate his uh, continued good health in the midst of cancer treatment. We want to pray for Sarah Catherine Wallace for the same reasons. Um, Bonnie and Lawrence Warren, I don't know if many of you knew that Warren had a stroke and then when they got home they both had COVID so let's remember them. Um, Tommy and Debbie Royals, um, parents of Zach Royals in our congregation. Of course, the family of Mary Margaret Tatum, whose services we had yesterday. And for the family of Jerrine Beard, who is the grandmother of Rick Stevens, who passed away, I guess, Thursday. <clears throat> Let's, any others that I can't, you'll have to raise your hand because I won't be able to see it today. Yes. Claire Edwards. Claire Edwards. Yes, Mary. Yes, Lucy Hansford, who was a friend of mine, that was buried Monday in Jackson. Yes. Say the, say the name again, Nate. Nate King, okay. Well, let's pray the prayer as you see on the screen. Almighty God, grant us that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, give us a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as Christ loves us. Lord, in your mercy, comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, we offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please stand and let's continue in worship. You are the light of the world. 
Y'all gonna have a seat? If our children will come forward. Whew, I am blinded by the light. Come on, guys. Come on, come up here and have a seat. Good deal. Such a big boy. How are all of you this morning? Y'all come over. There's some spots here. Find you a spot. Plop down. How many of you, when you sit down to dinner, you like to have a nice hot glass of lemonade? No. No? Hot, hot lemonade? Okay. Well, what about a day like today? Would you want it to have ice in it or not have ice in it? We would want it to have ice. We would want it to be cold, right? We would want to have a cold drink. Ice makes our our drinks nice and cool, makes them taste better. And water. And we like to have ice in our water. We like for it to be cold. Now, how many of you have an ice maker in your refrigerator? Do you have one of those where it just makes the ice? Well, here in the office at the church, our icebreaker is broken. So we and we can't. Well, it won't make ice. So we have these little things. What's this? It just it just makes like ice. We just put this in the fridge like thing, and it just makes ice. So we put it in. Put water in it. And then you slip it in the freezer part of the refrigerator, and it will make ice. And you can just pop it, and that's how we used to do it in the old days, back before we had electricity. Mm-hmm. Well, that you can make popsicles. That's right. You can make popsicles with them. They know all about this. Well, you know what? We have to be patient when we're waiting for this to freeze, don't we? Because if you take it out, it might look like it's frozen, but you can pop it and then it's water on the inside. And if you go ahead and dump it out, then it all freezes. Then it's all big one mess in there in the bowl that you dumped it in. Or if you use the pieces of ice, they're not really nice and solid. And so they make your drink watery. And now we don't want that, right? We don't want it watery don't like lemonade watery at all. So the thing is, is we have to be patient. And there are a lot of things that requires patience. Sometimes we have to have patience to make it to the end of the school day. Right, Mrs. Moore? (laughs) And Mrs. Clay, I bet she will say patience. Not for Excel. Okay. But... Maybe it's hard to wait for your favorite holiday. Maybe it's hard to wait for Christmas or your birthday. Um, maybe you know you're going on a trip and it's hard for you to, to wait for that. You do have a birthday, don't you? And you're three. Okay, well, you know what? The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us and teaches us that we need to learn patience. That's what it tells us. And sometimes it's so hard to wait, but many, many things take time. And the more patient we are, the more we are going to enjoy our lives. Because if they are whispering and blowing kisses to each other, so it's kind of hard to keep my train of thought. Because if you spend all your time being impatient, you are going to miss out on so many wonderful things that God has in store for you. So the Bible tells us that patience is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Yep. The Bible also tells us to have patience, we must do the will of God. So after that time we can receive that promise from God. And the next time you are feeling impatient, okay, I want you to think about an ice cube tray, okay? I want you to get on your porch, 
with a big old glass of sweet tea or a big old glass of lemonade and slow down and just wait because it's worth it. Okay, so let's say a prayer. Let's say a prayer together. Dear God, sometimes it is so difficult for us to wait for something that we anticipate. But it is then that we will miss out on so many wonderful blessings that you have for us each and every day. Forgive us and help us to learn and help us to practice patience so that we can experience the fullness and joy of the life that you have for us. And in Jesus' name, we always pray. Amen. Um, as our children are exiting, if um, Forrest, would you put our statement of faith on the screen and let's speak this together. You know, some people sometimes ask me, why do we do this every week? And it's largely because we can't remember what we believe. So, as you can see, um, Minister Bounds is going to need you. I mean, we got lots of children happening these days, so we're grateful. <clears throat> Let's speak our statement of faith together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus is the word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. <clears throat> um, this morning, as I was sitting watching them and just looking at you, I sit on the end so I can kind of turn and face and see what's going on. You know, a lot of times in life, we run toward the good things that are going to be happening to us in the future. But I hope you recognize that we are living as a church in the good times. I mean, we um, have people who are coming to us. We've got lots of children. We've got lots of youth. Um, we are experiencing um, stable finances. I hope you can breathe in the reality that you're living in the good times. Um, and they see, these are the moments that we hope for, and these are the relationships we're seeking. Um, I have had an intense week. Um, I've buried three close friends of mine this week, and <clears throat> as pastor, um, we're pretty good at kind of sidelining our emotions while we help the congregation process theirs, but um, I've buried three people that were very close to me, and just like you, um, there are people sent in this world for you as friends, close friends. Um, the three that I've buried were very close to me um, over time, and they were the one, some of them are probably the reason I've stayed in this career. So. Know that if I seem a little low this morning and low energy, it's not anything to do with the text or it's just that there are weeks that it's intense um, and that's just the way life is sometimes. Today we're going to be looking at, we'll continue to make this Luke journey um, with Jesus and so today we're looking at Luke 13, 10 through 17 and if you would read the odd numbered verses with me. Now he was teaching and he is Jesus here. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because, of Jesus, because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to water? 
And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things being done by him. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the people of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, you know um, that the proclaimer this morning has truly feet of clay, and so may you shine forth in ways that I cannot. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Um, there was a time, okay, is the ice cream truck coming? <laughs> um, there was a time, it's just going to be one of those Sundays, you can tell already, can't you? There was a time that I struggled to preach miracle stories, not because I have trouble believing that Jesus did them, but I struggled to understand what we're supposed to do with them now. Um, in time... I realized that in these stories, there's a lot more going on than just the physical healing that happens. And so we're going to be talking about some of that this morning. And also this realization came to me. Jesus did not heal every sick person in Palestine that he encountered during his lifetime. And all the people he healed eventually died of something or they would still be with us. Those realizations, those facts themselves may aid our faith. Jesus did not heal every person he encountered then, and not every person for whom we pray now will be healed. And even if persons are healed now, they will eventually die of something. Life as we know it here is a limited experience. But we do believe, we do have hope that the Creator has something for us later too. And that's kind of what keeps us going in the, like in the midst of the week that I've had, where I've buried three close people very close to me. <clears throat> I did some reading this week um, to try to figure out what kind of disease this woman might have had. And I found some doctors who have examined the text. And of course, it's very sketchy. But they made some suppositions. And there was one doctor who said he thought this might be the ankylosing spondylitis, um, Marie Strumpel disease. It's a disease where... It mostly happens to men, but it can happen to women. And um, it begins with inflammation and stiffness. And early in the course of the disease, sufferers often find the pain is relieved by leaning forward a little bit. But what happens over time is the disease causes the spine to fuse. And so that fusion happens, and then you're uncomfortable against so you lean forward a little more and more and more until finally your spine fuses with you bent halfway over. And that's probably what happened to this woman. Even today, though treatment focuses on relieving pain and managing the disease, there is no cure for it. Today's scripture is about a woman who had been disabled by a spirit. And remember, in those days, whatever sickness you had, a demon was causing it. I mean, if you read all these texts, um, it's quite clear in some of them that somebody's having epilepsy. Well, a demon, possessed by a demon. You know, everything um, is caused by a demon. <clears throat> She's bent over and couldn't stand straight up. Jesus, through his healing, straightens her up. In the hubbub that Jesus' healing causes that we just read, Jesus also straightens out the religious leaders of this synagogue and their supporters. Right? They thought they were on the straight and narrow. Right? They were going to straighten everybody else out, and he straightens them out. Remember, this woman is accused of having demons that caused her disease. In Jesus' time, physical illness was explained as sin, either the person's sin or their family's sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be responsible for my extended family's behavioral patterns. <clears throat> um, as I've told you, my mother is one of 15. I literally have 100 cousins, and we have one of everything in that psychological manual. <clears throat> So disease and illness were a shameful condition. And anyone who had disease or chronic illness was gossiped about and shunned. Small town Palestine was no different than small town Mississippi. And people abused and shunned people no less than they do now. The story reads like an interesting allegorical tale in which a woman no doubt bent under a burden of shame heaped upon her by her synagogue, 
her church and the leaders of that synagogue because of her ailment is healed. While the oppressors themselves, everybody in the synagogue, having been bent out of shape because she got healed on the Sabbath, um, became shamed for their heartlessness and cruelty, their cruelty in the present. And remember, this woman has had this for 18 years. Their cruelty in the present and probably their cruelty across 18 years. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? you you've been a part of kind of shaming or kind of being down on somebody and then something happens and you realize what you've done and you look back across time and it's gone on a while and you're really embarrassed. I think that's part of what's happening here. Who's the one truly bent out of shape here? The woman or the leader of the synagogue? The woman is healed for the shame was, that was put upon her was not her own shame. The leader, however, is bent too. He may have appeared to be the straight and narrow. He's the upstanding citizen in the community. He's the one that does everything right at the right time and keeps all the rules all the time. But he transforms into a kind of beast to defend the rules and is embarrassed by what Jesus points out to him and others. It sounds almost like a Disney movie, doesn't it? An innocent-looking old woman with a poisonous apple who transforms into an old witch after she carries out her deed. Or the evil stepmother whose image in the mirror in the end shows her true identity. You remember all these stories from Disney? Or the prince changed into a beast who, through the love of his heart, actually turns back into a good human being in the end. As a matter of fact, most good folk tales and fairy tales, even many great works of literature, have their roots in biblical stories, and this is a really good one. The poor woman had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. That's a lot of time. I don't know how many of you have been in any kind of chronic pain, but 18 years is a long time to be in chronic pain. And a long time of shaming by her community because, according to them, it was her or her family's sin. You see, when someone suffered an ailment, as I said, they were blamed, and they were shunned. The synagogue or temple leaders would assure the whole congregation that the sin of that person or their family's sin was the malady, and the locals would talk about it over and over and over and over, and the shame would be heaped on the sufferer more and more because everybody lived in this little village together. And this person would be slowly pushed out of the community. I mean, they were there, but they were no longer apart. It's no mistake that Jesus heals her on the Sabbath. Humankind's day of respite from toils and labors, from bondage and burdens. She's been set free on the very day that God declared freedom from toil and worry and fret. As Jesus has told his opponents earlier in the gospel accounts, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. I mean, Jesus is essentially saying, you've turned this all around. <laughs> this is supposed to be the day that enhances people, not burdens them. The Sabbath was not intended to burden people. We modern Christians might want to take note of our own heaping of shame and burdens on folks in the modern church. Time marches on, but human nature often remains the same. And I want to say to you, um, you may not know it, but you, as God's people, create the reality of church. Uh, only two things, really, in this world are places where um, belief becomes reality almost instantly. One of them is Wall Street. It's true. If, I, if, if people believe the company's going under, they sell the shares quickly and the company does go under, Right? The same happens in church. If people believe the church is unfriendly, if people believe the church is not welcoming, if people believe that the church is going under, people stop going in it, it it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You create the reality that is Main Street. I mean, you have a staff that tries to lead you in that, but you create the reality. Whether the man that had a withered hand in another story where Jesus heals on the Sabbath or this woman bent and disabled, Jesus restores their ability to function as a vital part 
of the worshiping community again. There is nothing left to criticize them about. Not only is their physicality restored, but their dignity and their relationships, their name, their future, their family, the standing of everything shifts in a moment. Their shame has often been negated, um, but it's a big deal then and now. Their damaged reputations have been restored. Everything has been straightened out. Jesus' contemporaries, the leaders of the synagogue, the church, accuse him of bending the rules. Sound familiar to us in the modern church? Jesus reminds them that freeing someone from their burdens on the Sabbath is the greatest rule. God's rule of love and liberation trumps our petty rules and regulations that we hand down from generation to generation. But the most important part of this interchange has to do with shame. For the woman may have had a physical ailment, but the far heaviest burden for her, in addition to the chronic pain, would have been the constant shame. Have you ever noticed that when you feel bad and people cheer you that the pain reduces? You're, you're kind of distracted from your ailment. You're kind of distracted from all the things that bring you down. But when it's a negative encounter, which it sounds like these people had for 18 years, don't you know that her chronic pain got worse and worse and worse? Many of you and I have watched and listened to an author named Brene Brown. <clears throat> her unique approach lauds people with courage and vulnerability to share instead of burying their weaknesses and fears. You know, we often say, just bear your soul. Well, that's not a bad, but she's saying, have the courage to be vulnerable. See it in a positive light rather than, you know, you're kind of shamed and you feel like you need to, to um, confess. Her spirit remains strong, this woman. She's still showing up in the synagogue, even though she's been shunned for 18 years. Her faith in Jesus is strong and evident, and despite all the criticism, shame, and rebuke, no doubt leveled at her by her synagogue and peers, she's showing up faithfully, even when it's not good for her. And I mean good in the sense of being welcomed. To those who objected to Jesus' interfering in their verbal stone throwing, Jesus had something stronger to say. He accused them of treating their fellow peer worse than they treat their own cattle. You'll untie your donkey to take them to water on the Sabbath, but I can't heal this woman who's a human being on the Sabbath? Their hypocritical stance was revealed, and they were you know, shamed into silence, although I have a feeling they did not let go of their resentment of Jesus, even though they were shamed into silence. The shame that they had heaped on this woman forever was now their own to bear. Jesus righted the weights of justice and straightened out the misshaping of Scripture and faith that the leaders had injudiciously corrupted. In our lives, we too suffer, sometimes occasionally, sometimes for long periods of time, the consequences of shame. I'm your pastor. <clears throat> there are times when I'm with you that I detect that there are things that you have never forgiven yourself for. Things that you may have done as a parent where you felt inadequate or things you did to your parents that were horrible or things you've done to friends and family or things you've done in your career. But whatever bends and burdens us, whatever shames us, the good news is, is we are not meant to carry it forever. This is the message of the cross. This is the message of Jesus even in this story and the, re the relief of resurrection. This is the healing that Jesus provides us. Jesus himself is the bearer of our griefs and the carrier of our sorrows, according to Isaiah. For all who come to him will experience relief of their sins, release from their burdens, healing of their mind, body, and spirit, and restorations of their souls. So I'm asking you, what burdens are you carrying today? What has you bent over for 18 years? What weight have you carried so long 
And it's become such a part of you that you have forgotten that it's even shame. What shame needs to be lifted so that you can dance? I'm asking us all to have the courage to lay it down before Jesus today and to reveal to him your doubts and fears and worries and sorrows. And by the way, um, doubt is not the enemy of faith. A lot of people think that doubt is the enemy of faith. The opposite of faith is apathy. If you have doubt, you're still in the conversation. You're asking questions. In fact, doubt has often been the spur that drove me deeper into faith because the surface thing wouldn't stand any longer and I had to go searching for something more. So whatever doubts you have, whatever struggles you have, whatever beefs, whatever resentments, and we got plenty of those too, today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day to open your heart to mercy and grace. And I, I, I feel like I'm constantly doing this, but I need to say it more. Jesus did not come to punish us. This wrathful God thing we got going on. Jesus did not come to punish us. We're doing all that quite well on our own. Jesus came to save us, save the world, heal the world, to offer hope and a restored and peaceful reality. When we dare to come before the Lord of life with a trusting and faithful heart, he always lovingly and gently refreshes and restores our souls. And those who would criticize us, and they are legion, those who would criticize us, antagonize us, attack us, accuse us, they will not stand a chance, just like these leaders didn't stand a chance, against the Lord of love and mercy. That's why the crowd in our story today struggled in the rejoicing. (laughs) He released the woman, but suddenly they weren't willing to let go of their resentments. For all who come to Jesus will have their burdens lifted, their hearts filled. So again, I'm asking you, what weight are you carrying that you need to lay down? Today could be the day to come forward as we receive communion. You can stop at the rail and pray. We are God's children, and if we are children of the King, this is meant for us. This is for us. Know that whatever shame binds you, the King of the universe is not the shamer. God, we belong to you and desire to dance in your sight. Grant us the hope and help to be yours. In your holy name we pray. Amen. It helps me to know that in the week leading up to and the night that Jesus had this supper for his disciples, He was battling some grief, wondering if all that he had done really made a difference and wondering if his disciples got it and wondering if they were going to even ever get it. And maybe you have tried to lay the burden down that you have many times before today. Well, the great thing about communion is it's forever new. Whatever promises you've made in the past, today's another day to start again. And so come and receive God in a way that maybe you've not been able to in the past, and maybe this will be the next day of the new life you know in Christ. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you as often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. After the meal, he likewise took the cup, blessed it, gave it to his disciples and said, This is my blood shed for you in the sins of many. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. This is the feast of the Lord for God's people. Come and share in its bounty and know that you are children of the king. And the king desires you to be all that you can be. I'm going to ask today um, 
Would Gary and Jackie please help me one more time? And how about the Wheelers? Would y'all come forward and help me at this time? <clears throat>
I don't know about you, but what one place where I experience God the most is in worship and the praise band that we are super blessed to have the praise band that we do. And we're super blessed to have the choir that we do at 11 o'clock. So, yes, thank you all so much. Um, I love it so, so very much. Uh, before we let you guys go, we do have a few announcements we need to make. You'll see here on the screen. Um, fall small group opportunities. So Todd will be leading two 10-week adult disciple groups. One is Forgiving What You Can't Forget by Lisa Turkhurst. And uh, the second is The Fruit of the Spirit, Becoming the Person God Wants You to Be by Trask and Goodall. Um, there are going to be other opportunities as well, um, but if you want to sign up for these, please let us know, let Todd know, and we can get you plugged in. Uh, the nominations committee will soon begin proposing leadership for the next, uh, the upcoming year. So if you sense a call to a particular area of ministry or would like to propose someone else for a particular area of ministry, please contact the church office or Mickey um, with that email or phone number there, and uh, we'll get you set up. Oh, yeah, we have a youth fundraiser Sunday, September 18th. It's been, always been very successful. Um, it's a, a pasta bake fundraiser takeout. So you can just come to the fellowship hall, get your box. That will have salad, dessert, garlic bread, and pasta bake, and uh, be able to go home or go eat wherever you like. It's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, on Sunday, September 18th. So um, it's donation-based, and so you just come on. You give what you want, what you think, and uh, please enjoy a meal on us. Main Street UMC Preschool begins this coming Wednesday, right, August 24th, and we'll meet Mondays through Thursdays from 845 to 12. If you know someone who wants to be a part of preschool, um, whether they have a child or want to be involved in another way, please let us know or let Betsy know. I know we'd be happy to get you plugged in in that way. Um, it's August special offering. I know we've mentioned it for a couple weeks now. You see out here our playground is going to get a completely new makeover, get a new playground if you want to... Um, you know, donate some money to that cause. Please put playground in the memo line of your check, and I know that we would really appreciate it. And that is all we have for you guys. Y'all have a great Sunday.